0: Shalom. This is Rabbi David Tokajer of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshachainu, Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, we pray that as we open your word up today, that you will speak boldly into our hearts and our lives, that it will be your voice, voice uh, coming forth, that it will be your word spoken, that nothing in me will be involved except that which you have ordained specifically for this purpose. Father, we pray that you will breathe new life into our midst, and that we will leave this place prepared to impact the world around us for the good and the glory of your kingdom. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen and Amen. Uh, so this week uh, we are in Parsha Bereshit, this is the very beginning of the Torah cycle This is the very beginning of uh, Sefer Bereshit, of the book of Genesis uh, And it is opportunity for us yet again to be able to follow through the cycle And see this uh, uh, plan of redemption that God has in play for all of humanity uh, As we see the development of the narrative of the birthing of the nation of Israel, of the, uh, the coming out of Egypt of the nation of Israel, of the journey through the wilderness uh, to Sinai and ultimately to the shores of the Jordan River to prepare to cross over and take the blessings that God has in store for our people in the promised land, in the land of Canaan. And what would become Eretz Israel, and so we have another year uh, to be able to dig through the Word of God, to be able to dig through His Torah, and to see the beauty of the imagery of what He has in store. Because every single word from Genesis to Revelation points us directly to the reality of salvation and saving grace and Messiah Yeshua. And as we dig through this, we recognize that the reason for this is because Yeshua was always the only plan. And so when we look at this week's Parsha, particularly Genesis 1, I'll let you go ahead and open up there. Genesis 1, verse 1. Uh, you'll notice on the graphic on the screen it says uh, prologue of salvation. Because that's ultimately what Genesis is, or at least the, the foundations of uh, Genesis, the beginnings of, of Genesis when we're dealing with creation and the seven days of creation. We see it as a prologue, as the beginning of salvation, as what is leading us toward the reality of Yeshua our Messiah who ultimately offered his life for the renewal of our lives In the presence of the kingdom of God So Genesis 1 verse 1 says In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth Now the earth was chaos and waste Darkness was on the surface of the deep And the Ruach Elohim, the spirit of God Was hovering upon the surface of the water So right out the gate we see that God created everything Right? We don't have to go any farther God created the heavens and the earth And there's debate in, in Midrash where a philosopher would approach uh, um, uh, Rabbi Gamliel uh, and said, hey, you know, I see that there's, uh, you know, that you believe that God, your God created everything, and and it's really neat that he could do that, that he was the artist of doing this, because as the artist who created everything, he did so through the two materials that were available to him, uh, which is Tovu VaVohu, chaos and void, or chaos and waste. And Rabbi Gamliel comes back and says, no, 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 no. No, you're presuming that chaos and waste already existed. But the reality is that God created everything. Before chaos and waste came into being, God created. God spoke all into existence, which means he spoke you and I into existence. He spoke the DNA that has journeyed from Adam and Eve all the way through to you and I, to our genes and our development today. And so he spoke every ounce of creation into existence there wasn't a a a point in time where he goes oh hey you know what um i need this little random thing over here off in the distance of space somewhere that i need to to kind of finish this project you know i anybody work on their cars you ever wonder why it is that you've always got a bolt left over when you're when you when you think you're done Right, this wasn't God. God didn't create everything and go, oh I forgot this piece over here that I didn't see that might come into play And the same is true for your life. He didn't create you. He didn't build you. He didn't speak Life into you. He didn't breathe the breath of life into your lungs and then at one point go, oh Here's the piece that's been missing. You know what? Your life would be perfectly grand if I had just put this in And not forgotten. So we skip forward a little bit and we go on to Uh, Follow this train of thought of god's creation to genesis 1 verse 26. This is the sixth day of creation Uh, the the sages tell us is about halfway through this day of the sixth day of creation verse 26 says then god said Let us make man in our image after our likeness Let them rule over the fish of the sea over the flying creatures of the sky over the livestock over the whole earth And over every crawling creature that crawls on the land god created humankind in his image In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the land and conquer it, rule over the fish of the sea, the flying creatures of the sky, and over every animal that crawls on the land. Then God said, I have just given you every green plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the whole land, and every tree which uh, which has the fruit of tree-yielding seed, they are to be food for you. Also... For every wild animal Every flying creature in the sky And every creature that crawls on the land Which has life Every green plant is to be food And it happened so So God saw everything that he made And behold it was very good So there was evening and there was morning The sixth day So God says let us create man In our image and our likeness And at the end he says And he saw everything he created And it was good now, this is really important because the reality is when we look at the Word of God, we recognize that God created humankind. He created Adam and Eve. He created uh, Adam and Eve. He created everything uh, that we are as people in His image. And like this. And it's important to hold on to this because in just a moment when we move forward to Genesis chapter 3, what we recognize is that the enemy goes and twists this around and, and messes it all up in our heads and changes our way of thought. Keep in mind, God says he created us in his image and likeness, which means we are created as much like God as we're ever going to be at the moment that he spoke Adam and Eve into creation. We were created in the image and likeness of God. And God looked at us and all of his creation and he said, you are good. He said, creation is good. He said, everything that I spoke into creation, everything that I breathed into existence is good. Then verse 1 of chapter 2. So the heavens and the earth were completed along with their entire array. God completed on the seventh day his work that he had made and he ceased on the seventh day from all his work that he made. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it for on it he ceased from all his work that God created for the purpose of preparing. And then he goes into uh, the discussion of uh, ultimately the forming of Adam, Chav, of Adam and Eve, the forming of mankind, our, his, uh, ourselves, out of the, the clay on the ground that he created uh, human life from. And he goes into greater detail of the events of day six and the, the, the uh, forming forth, the coming forth of humanity. But what we see here is God created us in his image like this. He said we were good, and then he gave us his Shabbat, Right? The next thing is he gives us Shabbat. He gives us a Sabbath, a day to rest in his presence. And we know that as we move forward, we go into Exodus, we go into Deuteronomy and so on and so forth. And he always links the Shabbat back to creation. And he says, I've given you the Shabbat as a day of rest, as a reminder of the work of creation, as a reminder that I myself took rest on that day from my labor and from my work. And so he reminds us to rest in his presence as he, in fact, rested from his work. This is important because the whole reason that we were created, the whole reason we were in Ganadan, the whole reason we were in the Garden of Eden was to be in the presence of God. He created us because He wanted uh, a relationship with us. He wanted us to be in His literal presence for all eternity. That's all He created us for. We weren't created to work the land and the toil and and so on and so forth and to struggle to be able to live We weren't created to struggle to pay our bills. We weren't created to struggle to be able to feed our families We weren't created to struggle to be able to make ends meet We weren't created to struggle to be able to go through this life and hope that at some point things will be better before we die As a matter of fact, we weren't created to die We were created to live eternally In the literal presence of hashem That was our single purpose for existing. When Adam and Eve realized that they had sinned, God comes uh, in the middle of the day to walk with them. And if you notice, they had went, they heard the rustle of the plants, they heard them coming. They went and formed some clothes together real quick and put on these fig leaf loincloths or whatever they were. And they were hiding and... And God says, hey, where are you? Did God really need to know where he knew where they were? There wasn't any doubt in his mind what was going on. He was well aware of what just played out. And they come out and say, oh, we were, we were hiding because we heard you coming and we were, we were ashamed. You know why they were ashamed? Because we allowed the enemy to contort what God created us to be. The enemy comes to Adam and Chava, uh in chapter 3, and it very specifically says Adam and Chava. It says he spoke to Eve. That Eve took the fruit and she handed it to Adam who was standing next to her. Adam had been standing there the entire time that the enemy was tempting Haba, that he was tempting Eve. And so in chapter 3 we read about the serpent uh, coming and tempting them. It says in verse 1, actually let's go back one verse to verse 25 of chapter 2. Now both of them were naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. They were not ashamed because they were still in the fullness of the image of God. And they were still in the reality of what God said was good. Verse 1, But the serpent was shrewder than any animal in the field that Adonai Elohim made. So it said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from all the trees of the garden? Notice, did God really say you must not eat from any of these trees? Well, God said, don't eat from this tree. You can eat from any of the rest of them. In particular, you can eat a lot from the tree of life. Just avoid the one of the tree of good, the, the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, did did God really say you couldn't eat from any of these trees? Because he knows that Eve's going to come back and go, oh, no, 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 no. He just said we couldn't eat from this one. Now he's already got the ball started on contorting the reality that God had placed before us. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, of the fruit of the trees we may eat, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat of it and you must not touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you most assuredly won't die. And what he means is you won't drop dead the very moment you touch it. You most assuredly won't die, for God knows that if you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be, and this is the kicker, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. God created mankind in His image and likeness. We aren't going to become any more like God than He has already created us to be. He breathed His breath of life into our lungs so that we could experience His reality, His presence, so that we could be like Him. And we can never be any more than that, and the enemy knows this, but he also knows that there's always this desire in humanity for maybe there's a little more, right? I ride motorcycles, I drive my wife nuts because I started out on a 750cc motorcycle, uh, and a few years later I was like, all right, this is fun, but it's small, I want something bigger, So I sold it, and I went and bought something bigger, and I bought an 1100cc. It's a lot bigger, and it was fun to ride, but there came a point about two, three years later, and I went, you know what, this is great, but I want bigger. I want something that goes faster. I want something that's got more power. I want some, and so I got rid of that, and I went and got something bigger, and the bike I have now is a 1700cc, which is more than twice the size of motor of what I started out on. And I've had it for about four years now, and I've started already again, and I, I know that I don't have the money for it, but the desire is still there, and I'm always, yeah, I want something bigger. I'm, I'm running out of bigger. There's not a lot of bikes left on the market that are bigger than mine, but I want something bigger. I want something more powerful. I want something that, that can go fast. I don't go very fast, but I want something that goes fast, that can go faster. And I drive her nuts with it, but no matter what, there's always this yearning for something more, for something else, for something different, for something bigger, for something greater, for something. And God created us without that desire because he created us in his image and likeness, and there's nothing greater than his image and likeness. There's nothing greater than being in the presence of God for all eternity. There's nothing greater for us than what he had already given us verse 6 now the woman saw that the tree of life was good for food and that it was a a thing of lust for the eyes and that the tree was desirable for imparting wisdom so she took of its fruit and she ate it she also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate so the most important question everybody says that the the original sin was eve eating the fruit i beg to differ i actually think and i'll ask you this why in the world did adam not knock the stupid fruit out of her hand and it doesn't say it was an apple, so whoever came up with that theory was just, were putting stuff in there. But why didn't he knock the fruit out of her hand? I fervently believe that the first sin was not on Chaba. The first sin was on Adam. The first sin was on Adam. Because Adam's job, his role, his purpose in that relationship was to be a spiritual head, a covering a protector for his bride. That was his role. That was his function that was what he was supposed to do. And here the enemy is tempting her through the serpent And she grabs the fruit and instead of smacking it out of her hand Instead of grabbing the snake and tossing it across the garden Instead of doing whatever was necessary to protect his wife He just stood there and watched with blank stupidity on his face Most of you women are used to seeing that in your husbands perhaps But just sat there and stared with blank stupidity in his face And he took the fruit from her and ate it afterwards The first sin wasn't Eve It wasn't her eating the fruit the first sin was Adam not protecting Eve. The first sin was Adam shirking his responsibility to be the head of the household, to be the spiritual covering, to be the protector of his family. It goes on to say, then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. And they heard the sound of Adonai Elohim going to and from in the garden in the windy of the day, and the wind of the day so the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Adonai Elohim in the midst of the tree of the garden there is no way possible that we can hide from the presence of God there's no way possible that we can hide from the eyes of God there is no way that uh, that Adam and Eve ate of that fruit and God didn't already know even more so and this is where it gets even more interesting it's even more so there's no way that God created without knowing what we were going to Adam and Eve were created for the distinct purpose of bringing us to something greater For bringing us to something far more For bringing us to something that would restore what god was already aware adam and eve were going to destroy What god was already well aware that you and I were going to destroy The reality here is that God didn't mess up That god didn't make a mistake That God didn't give Adam and Eve the will to go and do whatever He wanted, but what He did give them was the freedom of choice to choose Him or to not. And they took full advantage of that freedom of choice. They took full advantage of that free will. And you and I have our entire lives in one way or the other. But the reality is is that God created us knowing we were going to sin. He created Adam and He created humankind knowing that we were going to sin. Which means that... There wasn't a plan B. Yeshua wasn't plan B. Yeshua was plan A. He was the only plan. He was the foundations of everything that God had intended for all of His creation. So when we go forward to John chapter 1 verse 1, uh, the beginning of the Gospel of John, and we see this almost mirror image in the narrative of John 1 from Genesis 1. It says in, in John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Considering that God spoke all creation into existence, That is probably one of those literal phrases you were going to read in the Gospels. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through Him, and apart from Him, nothing was made that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. Skipping to verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, but the world did not know Him. He came to His own, but to His own Uh, But his own did not receive him, but whoever did receive him, those trusting in his name, to these he gave the right to become children of God. They were born not of a bloodline, nor of human desire, nor of man's will, but of God. And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. We looked upon his glory, the glory of the one and only, from the Father, full of grace and truth. And here in John 1, we begin to see the work that God has done to repair How badly we have demolished his creation God created us to be in his image and likeness. He created us to dwell in his presence He created us that his presence could dwell among us and completely consume us Yet his presence cannot dwell in the midst of sin and we chose sin instead of him And because of that choice there is this plan of salvation that has been in play since before the first breath of creation was ever spoken To reunite you and I back into the presence of God for all eternity. And with John 1, we see the beginnings of that narrative as God reveals the work of Messiah Yeshua, the role of Messiah Yeshua to us through the, the, the reality of this mirror imagery, if you would, of John 1 and Genesis 1. This idea of creation coming forth from the words of God. We go to Romans 12, verse 12. I'm sorry, Romans 5, verse 12. So then just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, uh, in the same way death spread to all men because all sinned. For up until the Torah, sin was in the world, but sin does not count as sin when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in a manner similar to the violation of Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gracious gift is not like the transgression. For if many died because of the transgression of one man, how much more did the grace of God overflow to many through the gift of one man, Yeshua the Messiah? Moreover, the gift is not like what happened through the one who sinned. For on that one hand, the judgment from one violation resulted in a condemnation. But on the other hand, the gracious gift following many transgressions resulted in justification. For if by one man's transgression death reigned through the one, how much more shall those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in the life in life through the one Messiah Yeshua? So then, through the transgression of one, condemnation came to all men. Likewise, through the righteousness of one came righteousness of life to all men. For just as through the disobedience of one man many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man many will be set right forever. Adam. Chose to allow sin into God's creation. And because of his choice, each and every one of us in his bloodline, Jew and Gentile alike, have chosen to allow sin into God's creation. We have chosen to allow sin to reign in our lives. And just as one man brought sin into the world and with it death, through the work of one man, Yeshua Mashiach, through the sacrifice of And salvation of one one man, Yeshua Mashiach, redemption, justification, salvation, and eternal life is being restored to God's creation. We go forward to... Uh, Roman, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter twenty-one, verse one, and we start to see what ultimately will be the restoration of all things. Because we were created to dwell in the garden in the presence of God, we were kicked out of the Garden of Eden because of our sin, and everything that has happened since then until now, and ultimately until Mashiach's return, is for the singular purpose of bringing God's creation, those that will choose His salvation, back into the of Eden, back into the Garden of Eden, back into his kingdom forever. And in chapter 21 of Revelation, verse 1, John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I also heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is among men and he shall tabernacle among them they shall be his people and god himself shall be among them and be their god he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more nor shall there be mourning or crying or pain any longer for the former things have passed away and the one seated upon the throne said behold i am making all things new then he said write for those write for these words write for these, one day I want to read, right. For these words are trustworthy and true. God created all things, and He is making all things new. He is making a new heaven and a Jerusalem new upon the earth. He is making a new earth. He is making everything renewed and restored as He desired, and His goal was always for it to be as we approach the Habah. And on top of that, through the work of Yeshua Mashiach, bringing justification of salvation for all and by you and I making a choice contrary to the choice that Adam and Eve made but in the same likeness through free will making a choice to accept the salvation freely given through the blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua we are being made new we are being made renewed and restored and refreshed in his image and his likeness The very image and likeness that by sin we chose to throw away. And just as God said, I am creating all things, all mankind in my image and likeness, and they looked at his creation and said, It is good. Through the work of Messiah Yeshua, he looks at us when we stand before his throne for judgment and says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. We will once again hear the words that were spoken over creation spoken over our lives because of the blood atonement of Messiah we will hear the Lord look at us at his creation renewed and restored in his image and in his likeness and we will hear him say it is good I don't know about you but that's refreshing that's exciting because I look at my life sometimes and the train wreck that I tend to make it be and I long for God to make that go away I long for God to fix all of my stupidity that causes my life to be difficult at times. And I long to hear God say, it is good. But the reality is, is it's already been spoken. It was spoken at the foundations of creation. Just because we allowed sin into our lives doesn't mean that God's creation is any less perfect. It just means that we have to be renewed and restored in His perfection. But he is speaking over those bought by the blood of the lamb right here and right now it is good So you may be looking at your lives and looking at the train wreck that may lay before you and look at the neighbor uh, Beside you and long to have whatever they have. You may be wanting your life to be different You may want everything to look somewhat changed from where you are now But if you're bought by the blood of the lamb and if you are walking faithfully in relationship with him You are already renewed and restored in his image and likeness and you need to stop wanting what other people have You need to stop worrying about what's going on in other people's lives and start digging into the reality that you have been given A restoration of god's presence in your midst The reality that you've been restored into his kingdom the reality that there awaits a day where you will stand before his throne and hear Finally well done my good and faithful servant and you will see the new heaven and new jerusalem for all eternity you will walk faithfully unashamed, unashamed of our messes, unashamed of our mistakes, unashamed of our sins, unashamed of the hurt that we've done to other people or the hurt that they've done to us, unashamed of everything that damages the image and likeness of God in our lives. We will stand entirely unashamed before Him because just as sin and shame entered through the work of one man, salvation, renewal and refreshing enters through the work of a greater man, the man in Person of Yeshua Hamashiach. In Revelation twenty two, verse one, it says, Then the angel showed me a river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the city street on either side of the river was a tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree were the healing, were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in the city. And his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. Night shall be no more, and the people will have no need for lamplight or sunlight, for Adonai Elohim will shine on them, and they shall reign forever and ever. This is literally the description of the restoration of what God had given us with Ganadon, with the Garden of Eden. This is him restoring unto his creation who he created in his image and likeness the reality of the perfection of his creation that he desired for us to live in. So often we get hung up on the temptation of the enemy. We get hung up on shame and guilt and pain because of our falling prey to the temptation of the enemy. And we forget. That because of Messiah Yeshua in our lives, we have the ability to shirk off the enemy's temptation as Yeshua did in the wilderness. We have the ability to do what Adam and Eve didn't do. Because now the strength and the power, the chazak, the strength of God resides within us. And we are able to cast away the temptation of the enemy. And when he tells us, look, if you just do this, you will be more like God. If you just do this... God doesn't want you to do this not because it's not good for you. God doesn't want you to do this because he knows it will make you more like him. And we can go, nope. I was created in his image and likeness. I have been restored in his image and likeness through the blood of the lamb. I can never be more like God than what he has already ordained my life to be. But what I can be is to walk faithfully in relationship with him. That the world around me will see the goodness of his creation, the goodness of his image and likeness among them. Because you and I have been restored that the world will see him in our lives. The reason the Ruach HaKodesh has been given to us, if you go to Acts 2, the reason the Ruach HaKodesh was given to us in Acts 2 was poured out upon the masses of believers was to restore the authority that was given to us over the things of this world that we gave to the enemy because we chose sin. But if you read in Genesis 2, he says that he gave us dominion and authority over this world. So whatever authority the enemy has, he only has because we gave it to him. Along with us shirking our responsibility to walk faithfully the Lord, we shirk the responsibility, the authority that he has given us. And through Messiah Yeshua, through the indwelling of the Ruach HaKodesh, we have been given back that authority over the things of this world. Death, sickness, pain, anxiety, fear, anger, aggression, road rage, whatever it may be, these are things of this world. They're not things of His kingdom. And anything that we live by in things of this world are damaging His image and likeness that He's restored us in. And it's more important than ever now that we as believers in Messiah Yeshua walk faithfully in the restorative work that God has already done in our lives that we walk faithfully with the understanding that we are already being spoken over as being good and faithful. And we need to stick to that. The reality is, is God wants to use you and I to impact the world around us because of His image and likeness. Anything that we do, you've heard me say this before, my core definition of sin is very simple. Anything that we do that damages the image and likeness that we have been created in, the image and likeness that we have been restored in. And it's important that you and I as followers of Messiah Yeshua walk faithfully in the work and redemption of Messiah, faithfully in the recreation of His image and likeness in our lives that we have been given, renewed, and restored so that the world around us will see His goodness, His presence, His light, Because that light that Revelation 22 speaks of that will never go out, that's the same light that John 1 says cannot be overtaken by darkness and now resides within you and I as believers in Messiah Yeshua. And the world is dark and nasty and gloomy and ugly. But God wants to use you and I to shine the light that can never be overcome by darkness in this world as he created us to first be. Amen. Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you, Father. We thank you that not only have you spoken us into creation, you've spoken us into existence, you've breathed your breath of life within us, but, Father, that you have restored our mistakes and made us renewed and refreshed in you, that you've restored us in your image and likeness, that you have made us more like you. Father, I thank you that you have forgiven our sins and you are willing to forgive our sins if we simply ask Father, I pray over each and every person that is here this morning, each and every person that is listening to this message online. Father, I pray that your Ruach HaKodesh will minister to us, that you will remind us of who you created us to be. For all of those who do not yet know Messiah as their salvation, Father, I pray that you will reveal to them the work of renewal that you want to do in their lives. And to each of us walking faithfully in your salvation, Father, renew and restore daily our faithfulness to you your image and likeness in our lives because we do believe in fervent faith that your desires for the world to be saved for each and every person to come to know your salvation father our heart's desire is to be used by you to see that happen in the name of Yeshua our Messiah we pray amen